What's good? It's your boy Robin, and we're back with a brand new episode of the Never Jaded Podcast, giving flowers to Asian creators. I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle. What is good, brother? Things are great, and I think you forgot one part. We're never jaded, always motivated. That's right. That's right, because we're here to get inspired by dope Asian creatives. You know what I'm saying? Um, speaking of dope Asians, have you been following the Olympics? Kind of, but mm-hmm. not as much as you know people are as assume. But yeah, shout out to all the athletes, you know, making their way to you know their dreams come coming true and all that stuff, getting to the podium, and also the ones that didn't make it but will keep trying, pursuing their dreams. That's what it's all about, right? Lots of Asians killing it, lots of ladies killing it. You know, lots of dope Asian Canadian ladies killing it. So mm-hmm. um, it's been it's been pretty uh, dope to watch. Very inspiring. So I, I think the ladies I think the ladies are definitely always been like showing up with these kind of things. They're always winning. I mean, even like the the Canadian women's team for soccer, they're always killing, killing it. The, the men's soccer. We don't even think about it. <laughs> I think like most of our gold medals are from ladies in Canada, if I, yeah. if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, speaking of ladies, we got a dope lady today, you know? Um, when we started this journey for this podcast, I didn't realize I was going to discover so many dope creatives out there. I didn't know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know there were so many crazy Asians out there doing what they do, you know? Um, and then, t- so today's guest uh, I met randomly because, you know, I mean, I've been kind of going on Clubhouse a lot lately, you know, uh, that's another spot where you meet a lot of dope Asians, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so one day I was just on there because um, I, I remember uh, Jeff Staples was doing a talk and you know me, I'm a I'm a huge Jeff Staples fan. He's mm-hmm. my Internet dad, you know what I'm saying? So because every time I go on, that guy's just spitting some life lessons and uh, he was giving a talk. At the end of the talk, they opened up the panel to people to ask questions. And uh, this young lady that we, we got on today um, happened to get picked to ask a question. And then I remember she was telling her story, and it seems like she's just starting her journey. Like she left her uh, full time career to pursue her creative journey. And I was like, oh, okay, there's something there. That sounds like a cool story. So I actually went to check her out. She's actually from Toronto. So that was, that was the first thing I was like, okay, you know, you know, you know us, when we see some hometown cats, we got to holler at them, right? Because, you know, we root, we, root for, we root for everybody here, you know what I'm saying? Um, just like the Olympians. Um, but without further ado, let's just bring her on so we can talk to her. Welcome to the show, Kira, aka Kira Made This. What's good? Hi guys, thank you so much. That was such a great intro and I love the never jaded tagline. That's great. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here and it was great to find you or you find me through that clubhouse room. Um, I didn't think I'd get picked and just like you, I'm a huge Jeff Staples fan. So I'm sure we all just migrated from his stories to that room and Thankfully, we're able to connect through that. So for sure, yeah. yeah. Now, before we get into like what you do, do you remember what you asked him? 
I do. I think it was it was very interesting because um, I didn't think I was going to ask a question. I just wanted to hop in there and listen. Um, and it was actually about two days before I was going to launch my collection drop. I didn't even talk about my collection. I, I was I think I had a million thoughts going through my mind. The collection was one of those things where I had been thinking about it for so long that my mind was already wandering elsewhere to like the next thing and the next thing and just lining up all these different things and so I have actually been listening to his podcast for a while now and so my question for him was um, should someone who's just starting out in their I guess following their dreams should they either do it solo or um, work for someone else that is basically has achieved their dreams like so work under someone and be more of an apprentice and the reason why I asked that question is because listening to almost every single one of his podcast episodes you hear of successful people people that I look up to or people that have worked um, with him on collaborations or worked under him the general theme I see is that they had to work under someone before they became who they were they never actually followed their passion right away like they didn't become successful off of that it was more so the network that they had that brought them to where they needed to be like I didn't even realize there's so many other people out there that were um, interns for Jeff Staple or Staple Pigeon and these are people that I always thought just made it on their own so when I asked that question I think all of their answers were all over the place I guess which didn't help but it, it did kind of make me realize like it's still true that your network is everything. Now, we're going to get into your story, right? But um, without spoiling too much, uh, why don't you give the audience like a quick introduction to who you are and what is it that you do? For sure. Um, this is where I'll start. So my journey has been all over the place. I used to think that my life would go in this very simple, straight line direction. And to see who I've turned out to be in the span of eight months, it's it's unreal. I don't even recognize the old version of me anymore. And the old version of me wouldn't even know who this person is right now. So to give you a bit of context, um, I did my degree in teaching. And so I taught grade six for about a year. And after my contract was over, I started actually working in um, the educational technology field, so e-learning, and uh, that brought me to back to my alma mater, which is University of uh, Victoria, um, helping build online courses and offer tech support. And somewhere along the way through this job, uh, being working from home during COVID, uh, I started painting shoes for myself. It was something that I had always secretly admired, like while I was in art school and university, I would save all of these photos of painted Timberlands. It wasn't even sneakers. It was always painted Timberlands. And uh, there was this one guy, his name, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like Ultima City or Ultimacity. He painted on Timberlands. And so I would just go through his page and just save all these photos and stare at it for hours, but never do anything about it. And it wasn't until I graduated and started teaching for a little bit that I realized that I lost all of my, um, my, I guess, consistency for art. 
and COVID hit me really hard where, I, you know, I think like a lot of people, it gave me time to reflect on what I really wanted to do with my life. It, it was maybe the most important uh, break I ever needed from all of reality, socializing, um, going through your daily routine of going out, commuting, that type of thing. But I really, it really hit me. And so I decided to take a whole weekend to just map out my whole life. And it sounds really chaotic. Like I sat there for maybe six hours each day, just like writing down all the things I wanted out of my life. And then it all boiled down to, I just want to make art. And I love what I, uh, before I had done that day, I, um, I had just done some paintings on my sneakers and one of the sneakers kind of blew up by accident, like Big Sean shared it and it landed me my first uh, real, I guess, commission. And so that, um, that one experience led me to that day where I isolated myself thinking about the rest of my life. Um, it led me to realize like, maybe I should just go for this. I know I'm completely new to this, but let's just give it a shot, go all in, commit to it because I've always teetered back and forth between wanting to be an artist, but becoming an art teacher instead, which is what my degree was. It felt like a shadow career of what I truly wanted to do. So that brings me to now where uh, it's just trying to go after my dreams. I know it sounds super cliche, but um, it's what is fueling me and it makes me feel like I actually am seeing through like this purpose that I've always wanted to go after. Sorry, that was really roundabout way of answering your question. No, that was great. That was great. And you know, I've been following you on Instagram. So, you know, I've been seeing the stuff you've been doing and it's pretty exciting. So I'm very happy for you that you're going all in on this. Um, what I want to ask is like, have you always been like a, a sneakerhead? Like why, what is it about, um, like, you know, you, you say you're into the art, but what was it about like being a sneaker artist? Like why, why did you gravitate towards mm. that? That's a really good question. So backstory is that I never owned a lot of like, I guess, hype sneakers. I had sneakers, mm -hmm. but they weren't necessarily what sneakerheads would want to buy. But I always loved the silhouettes, the colorways, but it was never something that my parents would allow me, you know, being Asian parents, they'd be like, no, don't, don't do that. Don't, you know, like. It's so, the like one new shoe per school year kind of thing, right? Exactly. It almost didn't help um, also going into high school, which is where I feel like it's a really formative time in your life where you figure out your personal style, your taste. I actually went to Catholic school with uniforms. So I did wear uh, Nike Air Force Ones. They were like um, mids and all black. They had to be all black because of the Catholic school rules. Um, but those were shoes that I wore from grade nine to, to 12. And I was obsessed with those shoes. I even remember the quality was horrible. The soles were disintegrating. And I realized that the soles were actually, the insides were made of cardboard. Like that's how oh, wow. bad it was, but I still <laughs> loved those shoes. And yeah. so it wasn't until I went to university that I just started figuring out like my personal style and somehow uh, was drawn to sneakers. But again, being a broke university student, I couldn't afford it. So it wasn't until I decided, 
you know what, now that I have a job, like my tech job, which was probably the most money I've ever made in my life, it was consistent, um, it was good pay, that I decided to finally treat myself. But being an artist, I decided, I'm not just going to have nice shoes, I'm going to paint on them. And uh, I actually didn't know anything about the custom sneaker world. All I remembered was this guy who painted on Timberlands. I knew it was possible. And so I just Googled some stuff real quick. I didn't even know who the big names were. Little did I know that there's this big, I guess, ecosystem of like customizers. It's, it's such an interesting world. And I didn't even know until maybe five to uh, six months in. It wasn't until people found me. I wasn't really seeking people. I was just kind of doing my own thing. Like the very first shoe I did was based off of Shigo from Kim Possible. I took the, I don't know what you'd call it, but she has this weird green energy that um, comes out from her hands. Like a chi or like fireball yeah. or something? Yeah, exactly. It's like a fireball, but um, it's like one of her superpowers. She can like emit this like green, I don't know, slime or something. Yeah, and so I wanted to dress up as her for Halloween but I'm very extra. So I thought, why don't I take some Nike Air Force Ones, black ones, and do that kind of color, um, that kind of green slime thing wrapped around the swoosh. And that was my first time painting on shoes ever. But I remember just sitting there for many hours straight, losing track of time, losing track of anything outside of the shoes. And I think that was when I realized this is it for me. But it's twofold because not only did I enjoy the process of painting on the shoes, I thought about why shoes. And when you think about people and you think about uh, where we came from, like we all started off as nomads traveling from place to place. We were never really um, tied down to one place until like uh I guess colonization happened or farming. I don't know where it started, but uh, another thing I thought about is like my family is very nomadic despite how we've, you know, society has evolved to like have people settled in one place. My parents born and raised in Hong Kong, but they decided to risk it all, move to France out of nowhere um, when they were very young. And turns out France was not their place. So they moved to the States. Turns out the States wasn't their place. They moved to Toronto. And even at their age, they've had other ideas of like moving here or there, you know, in their retirement, there's still, it's still stuff that they mentioned. So I feel like that's kind of genetic in my family and in me, and I'm always on the go. And so I feel like shoes are the perfect representation of how I see life, how I get inspired. And it is literally a walking billboard for your thoughts and your ideas walking art gallery. I think it's twofold. It's like, it can be an advertisement, but it can also demonstrate a message. But when you're walking around on the streets, for me, the first thing I check out on a person is their shoes. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. so important to me. Uh, what people wear for their shoes, it can say a lot about a person. So that's why I feel like I kind of hit the jackpot when I realized I love painting. And I love shoes and I love the deeper symbolism behind why shoes are the perfect canvas for anything that you want to, uh, um, I guess, I guess kind of share with the world. Yeah. 
it's funny that you say that you know that's the first thing that you can you you use to read someone um mm-hmm. what are things that you're picking up like from someone's shoes like that's a good i've never had that question asked before well it's how someone takes care of their shoes number one there's mm. certain people i know where every time they go home the first thing you do is clean their shoes wow mm. really yeah i, I mean yeah. there's a lot of people especially yeah. sneakerheads, is like they've got what the crap protect or whatever thing that they use to yeah. clean their shoes but some people just do it old school and take a cloth and some soap uh Another thing I notice is like color choices, like the kind or even the silhouettes, the silhouettes say a lot because I mean, I feel so inspired walking on the streets in New York. I saw these two guys walking side by side with one another um, and one was wearing like these old Italian leather boots like that kind of curved in like a very slim way. Whereas the other guy was wearing like these Nike Air Jordan highs. They're both friends. They're talking to each other, walking together. And you could kind of just tell like a lot about the person based on the shoes that they chose. Those are two very different shoes. The silhouettes are very different, but it says a lot about their personal taste and who they are. It is just so great things that we're hearing. Like, and like how Kira was talking about that story of like what shoes means to her and stuff. I feel like if she just sell that or pitch it to like Nike or something, that could be a commercial. Like literally right? manifest that. <laughs> I mean, the first thing I thought of is like, if I ever meet Kira in person, I, I got to make sure my shoes are on point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that many yeah. great shoes. That's the funny part is like, I really admire shoes, but I don't have all the money in the world to just buy nice shoes. So that's why I work so hard. So one day it's like the collection will match up to the expectations I have for myself. Another question I got is like, with all the shoes in the world that are great that you could paint on and create and stuff, why specifically, or at least in terms of what I noticed with like customized shoes is like a lot of people gravitate working on like Nike Air Force Ones and stuff like you yourself as well with your collection. Like, is there a particular reason for those that may not be that aware of like, sneaker culture and stuff why is it that nikes generally get more customized and not is it just because nike is popular or is there like some art specific stuff that we're not aware of wow you guys really did your research nice so the nike air force one i feel like it's a love hate relationship with me i think i like how accessible it is so like anywhere you go online you can order it and it's also simple enough that when people reach out to you for a design it's pretty customizable. Like it's just a blank canvas. Whereas other shoes like Nike blazers or Adidas shoes, there's not a lot of room to work with or this, the way you have to consider the space is that you have to be more thoughtful. So I think people like to gravitate to Air Force Ones because it's easy and they're familiar with it. But with that being said, it's actually not my preferred shoe. It's mostly because people have just reached out to me for that or if they wanted air jordan highs they're usually sold out i mean like i've got these back here for a client these are mids and it's only because he's okay with mids but most people don't even want me to touch mids for them or whatnot uh but my personal taste is that i like all shoes like i have a personal pair of doc martens here that i'm about to paint and this one it's actually funny that we're talking because it's going to be something very personal 
and uh, about all the things that have been happening to, you know, our people, Asian people. And it's my way of like pouring out my feelings and emotions that I've been going through into a shoe because it's, it was really tough for me to just want to sit there and repost resources. I didn't think as an artist that that was my way of being able to share with people. So I know that this one is like maybe many months later than anticipated for me. Like I should have probably done it a while ago, but I don't think I would have gotten to the right headspace until now. So I do love Doc Martens. I have heels over here as well that I'm going to paint. Um, I just like, I like trying new things and new silhouettes because the Nike Air Force Ones can be a little bit overdone and it limits you after a while if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, but it's accessible, which is why you see it everywhere. I got a question. How long did it take for you to get comfortable painting on shoes because you know like you're, you're you're pulling out these shoes they're pretty expensive right so yeah do you have like a practice shoe like how does how's that how does that work right like how long did it take for you to fully be comfortable to just like i'm just gonna go with the flow because it's paint right you can't you can't go back i mean you can you can acetone it so you can use acetone to remove the paint Okay. Or you can go over it with a second coat if it's not too thick. Uh, I guess because I had been painting since I was a little kid, since like three years old on canvases and all different types of mediums, I wasn't too afraid to just dive right into it because I knew that I could always fix my mistakes. And I also, I had a feeling in my gut that everything would work out. And I think it takes... It takes a while to realize what is the right direction for you. But if you really think about it and isolate yourself, like what I had done that weekend to figure my whole life out was I went on a little vacation by myself. I didn't have my phone. I didn't have any friends that I knew. And I just stayed at some hotel very far away from my house and just went into nature and just sat there. And I think that doing stuff like that allows you to be okay with the uncomfortable which is like you know there's the shoe I'm not familiar with it there's all these curves and angles that a canvas doesn't have but it's a challenge and um when you know that it's your purpose you kind of just work backwards from that let's get into like some of the processes because like you know um recently you did you did a drop was that your first drop? Like the um, it was the the marble drop that that we saw on the on the Instagrams. Yeah, that was the first shoe collection drop I've ever done. Where I guess it was when you think about a shoe collection, it's your own unique designs, not something that you've taken that's copyrighted or trademarked or whatever. It's genuinely yours. I think that's what I would consider a collection drop. So um, yeah, that was the first ever, and uh, yeah. How, how did that come about? Um, it's very interesting. So I, at, around before the beginning of quarantine and uh, to the beginning of quarantine, um, I started obsessing over marble, like not in the normal way. So I uh, started watching like videos on how to make marble countertops, like renovate kitchens and my kitchen had these like ugly pink laminate countertops that just had to go. 
but also my friend who is a gym owner had these like very nasty countertops that were chipping and also wanted to do something about it and I think we did a barter system where she trained me for very little money and then I did the countertops for free for her and um, in that whole time period I just got so obsessed with watching these videos of people marbling countertops um, and also just being obsessed with what marble looks like like if you look at all the different types of marble uh, I was just very fascinated how I could learn how to paint something that looks identical and so um, fast forward to when I actually started doing custom shoes I decided to do my very first marble shoe back at the end of 2020 so Christmas break I really wanted to do something for Big Sean because he shared that photo of my shoes and helped me get my career started like people who would flake on me all the time they actually turned around and were like whoa I'm so sorry like can we work together now it was it was life-changing because I feel like not a lot of people took me seriously and it's when you have that I guess co-sign from someone who people take seriously hold, hold on hold on yeah because we we you kind of skipped over the the big Sean story like yeah I mean, it's it was crazy that he reshared reshared uh one of your photos but what was the story there yeah so it all connects back to purpose mm-hmm. and I really was able to get closer to understanding purpose when I listened to Detroit 2, which was his newest album that had come out around September. Mm -hmm. And this was around the time I was trying to figure out my life um, and before I just went all in with custom sneakers. So if you have you guys listened to the album, I have. It's a it's amazing. It is amazing. I think it's like one of my favorite albums of all time. And I I have a lot of favorites. So for an album from this year to make it to the favorites list like that, it's it's really hard. But the lyrics, I think every single song I've listened to on the album at least 50 times. I'm not even kidding. It felt like it felt like a religious experience because so much of the stuff he talks about is about manifestation purpose, going through hard times, having faith, all of these things that I don't think I really, um, I don't really think I focused on until this year. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like all of these words were reaffirming what I felt on the inside. Um, and I felt so inspired by this album, like so moved by it, that a vision just popped into my head. And I was, you know, I would lurk a lot of different colorways of Air Jordan highs, but I could never afford it or it was never really accessible to me. You don't really see a lot of girls talking about it too. So it was just me being a secret admirer, but I always admired the uh, Chicago colorway Air Jordan highs. Like I find that one to be the nicest colorway. It's just, it's so simple yet it's so it makes a statement like whenever you see someone wear those everyone's heads are turning to look at those shoes and I had a vision it just sparked in my head where I was thinking about the album and it's jet black there's a white d in like times new roman font and there's the this rose that goes through the d I thought about it I was like wait the chicago colorway air jordan highs are 
all red. So it's got like the red, the black, and the white, like the album. And the swoosh is all black. But what if there was a D in the swoosh? And then what if I put the rose there? And then it just hit me. I was like, I just got to do this. I don't need to think about this anymore. I knew I couldn't afford Air Jordan Highs, but I knew I could get some mids of Air Force Ones. Again, back to the whole thing of why people choose Air Force Ones, they're accessible. So right away, I went to Foot Locker, I bought them. This is only after I had done one pair of shoes, the Shigo shoes. And I remember spending a whole night painting it. I think I started at eight, finished sometime in the AM. And I was so elated. I was listening to the album over and over again while I was painting the shoes and uh, took the photos. I had this thought, I had this thought, maybe he would see these shoes and appreciate them. And within maybe 10 minutes of me posting it, he likes the photo. I'm like screaming on the inside. And then maybe I think it was one hour or two hours later, he reposts it. Wow. Wow. And that's when me as like some random girl who I wasn't taking my social media seriously. I had like 400 followers. It was all people I knew. Um, everyone was like, whoa, what's happening right now? I had random people from Europe like messaging me. Um, and this person, I feel like it was an angel that popped out of nowhere. He lived in Washington. Mm-hmm. He's like, what's your PayPal? I'm going to send you money right now. I need, I need a pair. Wow. And wow. That was the first time I ever sold my art. Even though I'd been painting since I was three, I never had the confidence in myself. Never, ever. That's uh, amazing. So was that like the catalyst? No. The jump start that you're like, okay, maybe I could do this. You say no, but so where, there was another moment before this. <laughs> there was another moment before this that even though this was so amazing and I appreciated it so much, yeah. something before this even sparked this belief that I could do what I was doing. And I like, I take it all the way back to beginning of COVID, which was April, February, um, I was still teaching. I was teaching grade six, isolating at home, kind of feeling trapped. Like I love teaching and I love kids, but there was still something missing. There was like this, there was just this one part of me that felt like it was empty. And so I realized like when I was thinking like how everyone was thinking all the time in COVID that I hadn't been drawing in a while. So I just started drawing again. And listening to my favorite music while I draw, that those two have to be interconnected. There's never ever me creating without music that I love. My favorite musician of all time is Anderson Pack, and he uh, was doing these like Instagram lives where he would go um, on every Friday and just perform in his living room like it was a concert. I've actually seen him live. And I have a video of him coming all the way to the back of the crowd in Vancouver. It was a completely sold out show. I was really bummed because I couldn't even see his face all the way at the front of the stage. Yet somehow he comes all the way to the back to where I'm standing, where all my friends are standing. And I get this video of him like in the flesh right in front of my camera. And he's just dancing, vibing, having a really good time. And I remember that concert as being like one of the best concerts I've ever been to I just felt so inspired I left thinking he's living out his dreams he kind of came from like a rough upbringing all the odds are against him yet he 
got past all of that and he's making music that just makes people so happy everyone there was just so happy and it's not like I wasn't making people happy when I was teaching but I realized that somewhere along the way I realized I like being a teacher I don't think I'm bad at it but I think I'm living out someone else's dream right now like someone else is dying to be in my position and I'm kind of taking that away from them because it's really hard to get teaching jobs. And so I tried it out, but I felt like that wasn't it. Even though I loved being around, you know, the youth and helping them, there was, even I could feel them looking at me like, why are you here? And so I started drawing pictures and one of them was the Instagram lives. And uh, he just shared it randomly. Like he saw my message of me tagging him in it and shared it and he started talking to me I was like what and then so we started talking about the concert because he went through my Instagram the very first story you'd see in the highlights was that video of him unintentional I just saved it there um and then uh I ended up mailing the drawing to him and uh you know that conversation whether he knows that or not changed my life like to have your idol or someone that you look up to just see you share your work on their page, make a make a post about it, make a story about it, just talk to you like a regular person, not treat you like you're nobody, but just recognize you. It's like I didn't even know I needed that, but that pushed me. Like I just realized if that can happen, then anything else can happen. Because I remember being at the concert being like, how cool would it be to be friends with your favorite musician or have them recognize you, have them believe in you. And so that was really the catalyst. Because then after the Big Sean thing happened, I was like, this this can keep happening as long as I keep grinding. People are just people. They're not and like as as amazing and talented as they are, at the end of the day, we're all just people. And we we support each other because we see that fire inside of other people mm-hmm. and, yeah and i think it speaks to like my conversation with robin in terms about like art and like creativities where at the end of the day we could like doing art or pursuing it but other than if you don't get that acknowledgement it doesn't feel as great as it is just you know creating it where no one sees it right so the acknowledgement from anybody especially someone that you know you recognize as talented in their own right that really takes you to another level of like confidence and like believing that, Oh, what you're doing, there's a purpose and you're going to go for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it takes, you know, it just speaks on like staying consistent, putting in the work. Right. And cause you know, you never know, you never know uh, where it can take you. Right. Uh, which is where you are right now. Now we, we took a big detour from the from the from the talk about your drop uh the marble drop it was oh, your yes, first sorry. <laughs> no no these i mean i'm glad that we got these nuggets you know it's been uh, great stories uh but um we won't we won't dive too much onto in like the process of it but like you know you 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 finished a dropped yeah how did it go um and did you, what what is there anything that you learned from doing your first drop and um, anything you would do differently next time? Definitely. I've learned so much in the span of a month. Mm. I don't even, I can't even comprehend how much I've learned. I, I've made lots of notes about it. Yeah. Uh, there's two sides of it I've learned is just how to be a better artist. And then also the business side, which not going to lie, I struggle a lot with is finding um, how to 
value yourself and put a number on that, like quantify how much what you uh, what you create is worth, like how much. So that was a really big hurdle that uh, I needed to get over and um, understand better because little things like, oh, I have this X amount of followers and does it actually reach the, that amount of followers? And but within the people it reaches, how many people actually um, purchase? So it's a lot of like psychology and understanding statistics. And I learned also about how I want to move forward with my career. So whether it's, uh, do I want to stay in this lane of people coming to me and I take their ideas and do what they want, or is I, I sacrifice that stability, that safety of the money that comes in from it or the consistency and I do something that I really want to do that I know no one's seen before because I wanted to do something that would set myself apart from other people I don't want to do copyrighted stuff or trademark stuff because I know that you know you can get in a lot of trouble about that and you don't feel good it's not your stuff at the end of the day you might make good money but it doesn't feed me the way doing something on my own did so I learned a lot about that I felt like that was a big lesson of this is right for me. I should keep doing that. Um, I also learned, I learned, there's just so many things. I also learned your network is everything. I know I said this earlier, but the people you surround yourself with, the energy you surround yourself with can make or break you. If you surround yourself with people who don't support you or believe in your vision, you can lead a very depressing life because I had surrounded myself with people who would kind of laugh at the ideas that I had and it wasn't until I decided to take sneakers seriously and be very picky about the people that I let into my passion project which was the uh, marble drop um, and I can gladly say the people that I did let into this project and include them in on they were all so supportive and it just only made the whole long process that much more enjoyable because it does take a village to do something crazy and big like that. If you try to do everything by yourself, I've learned that the hard way, you're just going to burn out. Uh, I also learned, there's so many things I learned, just little business things as well. Uh, yeah, like, did you, did you uh, notice like, cause I, I wanna approach it in not just the creative side, also the business side, right? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, doing art as a business, you know, and doing your first drop, what were things that you noticed worked really well? And what things that didn't work as well as you thought it would? Um, and mm -hmm. how you would might restructure that in the in the next drop, you know, business wise, I say it only came with blessings where it made my name more recognizable as a brand as a person artist, all those things. It made people take me a little bit more seriously. So I think in the long run for business, that's very good because you want to establish yourself in this space and set yourself apart from everybody else. Um, I did make money. So like, I guess specifics is I made, I think after cutting out all of the, like minus, minus all of the expenses, it came around to $900, um, which is not bad. I, it, it, could, it could have been worse. I could have broke even or lost money. Um, but the hard parts I learned was the turnaround time. I wanted to get everything done very fast. And um, there were mistakes that were made, you know, like I didn't perfect the design the way I did with the original um, shoes. I also 
had a steep learning curve of how to use Shopify. I made a terrible mistake in the beginning where I set my Shopify in test mode and forgot to remove it from test mode. So one of the first purchases um, emailed me in saying they couldn't pay with their credit card. They paid with Apple Pay. Turns out the Apple Pay didn't go through either. So I had to email them apologizing for the inconvenience, asking them if they could pay again. I'm very lucky that they even paid again because um, I had some other people who wanted me to do a custom marble. Like they reached out to me and uh, they wanted to PayPal me because I didn't have a custom option on my site. So I, I agreed to it, but the PayPal money was a little too low, like converting the USD to the uh, Canadian. It just didn't, there was something off about it. So I, I, you know, I messaged them saying, can you try it on my site? I'll create like a special custom part for you so that I canceled their PayPal order and then they just ghosted me. So little things like that, where it's like, wow, I'm really learning the hard part of the business is that things are fickle, very fickle. You can't take it personally. Um, you know, it's at the end of the day, you can't control what other people do. And uh, I guess another hard part I learned was the backlash that you can receive or also the bigger you get and the more, um, the more exposed you are to people that you wouldn't have been exposed to. Like if I hadn't done a collection drop, I don't think I would have been shared as much with other people or other people wouldn't find me as easily. So it's a double-edged sword because there's a lot of people who come and they really appreciate your art. But then there's a lot, a lot of weird people out there in this world too, where people would message me asking for me to teach them. At first I decided, oh, maybe I'll do a tutorial. Then I really thought about it, talked to some people who've been doing this longer than me. And they said, that's a horrible idea. You're not making enough money um, to share your secrets. People are just going to steal it. I replied to those people. Some were fine with it. Others got really mad at me. And um, yeah, it's just, and some people even said like, oh, the marbles look horrible. You know, the, you just, you receive all types of. Wow. So you're getting uh, haters already. Yeah. But I that's think when that you that's know you're, you're, doing you're successful. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think that comes with it. You have to build the thick skin because this is only going to be, uh, it's only going to be a little bit of what you'll receive for the rest of your life if you really want to keep pushing forward. Like I think about, you know, you're a fan of Jeff Staples. Like I read his comments sometimes. Sometimes people call him one hit wonder, you're trash. So, you know, all those things. And if you let that get to you, you're never going to keep pushing forward. So yeah, that was the hard part because I'm only human. I'm only doing this for the first time around. So some of the stuff hit me a little bit hard. I thought about, you know, maybe sh should I just stay low, keep a low profile, not post, not post on my Instagram too much. Yeah. A lot of business and I guess personal development that happened through this. I mean, you, got, you brought a good point with the haters, you know, because um, that is something that as creatives, you do have to deal with, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, people are, will love your work, right? But then on the flip side, there will be people that hate on you as well. So, you know, um, experiencing that for the first time, um, how do you deal with negative feedback? And how do you not let it affect your art? And, or like you said, you know, like you, you even had a thought about, maybe I should slow down a little bit, you know, keep mm -hmm. it low key. But there's like, yo, why would you let these haters affect how you do things, right? So how, how you've been handling it so far? 
I think I just try to break down the thoughts of where the hate comes from. I think love and hate are a lot closer than people think they are. Because when I think about who I was as a preteen, as a teenager, even like the very early years of university, if I was jealous of someone, maybe it was another girl or a guy or someone more successful than me, or if I had strong feelings of like hatred, it wasn't necessarily hatred. It could have just been like, oh, I'm so annoyed with that person or I don't like that person. I just have issues with that person without really knowing that person. I think when I really thought about it, to be fully honest with you, it was rooted in jealousy or something that you felt off within yourself. Like if you go even deeper, it's like how you felt about yourself and you're kind of projecting that on other people. So if you take the time to write stuff like that or say things like that about someone, it's probably rooted in something within yourself. So whenever I read stuff like that, I'm like, that is rooted in you, not me. It's not never personal. And that's the business part that I'm learning is that I can't be 100% an artist. If you're the art, the, you know, cliche, art, not cliche, stereotypical artist, all in your feelings and your emotions, you're not going to survive in this world. And that's the hard part is like, I realize I'm not just an artist. I'm a business person. I got to work on the logical side, the unemotional side, yeah. business first, and you, make money. Yeah, and you talk yeah and you're talking about that i just have a question like you mentioned oh yeah you have to be the artist but also the business person but have you have like thoughts of like oh maybe like going back to your early conversation about your question about with jeff staples like should you do it all on your own or like you know go under someone learn and all this stuff and now with after your first job have you thought of like how much more business type stuff do you yourself want to deal with versus like how much you're willing to like delegate to people that you trust in terms of the business side of things so that you can focus on your art because at the end of the day you're more of an artist than a business person or at least that's what you strive to be if i'm not reading or do you believe that every artist has to learn these things Mm, those are both very intense questions so (laughs) to answer yours kyle i if i had it my way i would prefer to have more people that i trust in my life And I think that takes time and, you know, assessing people and really trying to understand who they are. Unfortunately, I'm just, I'm just 24. I don't have a huge network of people and the people that I do have in my network, it's not like any of them want to work under me for pennies right now. So um, until I have something established and going, it, it does have to be like a one person show. But I know that when I look up to certain people, like we always bring up Jeff Staple, but he's a great example. He has so many people who work with him that he doesn't have to do all the legwork. He can really focus on bringing ideas to fruition and there's people helping him along the way. I really see myself as that person because I'm always an idea person. I just need the help and the money to make that happen. Um, And then I forget your question, Robin, sorry. Well, I mean, you're kind of you you've kind of touching upon it because you know you even mentioned Jeff Staples, where you know he has a whole team behind him. But I myself, you know, I am also a creative. Um, but I believe that you know you you got to learn a bit of that yourself. You you got to do especially in the beginning, right? You know, because no no one no one's else is gonna work for you or care about your art as much as you do, right? So um, I do feel like a lot of us creatives do have to put in that work in the beginning. 
um, to have the luxury of being like Jeff Staples and having that team with you in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something beautiful about it, though, in this, I guess, hustle or struggle is that you get to really know who you are as a person and find your moral compass before all the people trickle into your life. Because you got to go through this yourself. If you don't know who you are, how do you expect to manage other people or work with these many other people? What makes you tick? Like, I need to still learn what makes me tick, what makes me uh, gravitate to certain people versus other people. Mm -hmm. Hey, we love it. You know, like this show, we started this show because we want to hear about the grind. You know, we want to hear about the stories. Oh, it's not pretty. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I just took the train like this morning i'm in long island right now so i have to either walk to the train for one hour and then the train is another hour into the city um but today i caught a ride with my brother-in-law but he had to leave super early so i was up at five he left at six to drop me off from long island to the city that's another hour and then i just kind of sat in this uh park it's called Bryant Park and I sat there from 7 till 12 waiting for one of my mentors to come at 12 and so it's a grind and I mean I spent almost the whole day with him and uh, I'm very grateful that I even have a mentor out here within the span of a week but it's the stuff that you do to make those connections and uh, put yourself with the people that you want to be surrounded by it's not pretty though. It was scor- scorching hot out, and um, you know, it's it's the city. There's just so much going on, but there's something beautiful about it too. I think um, I, I I can already feel like you're off to a great start, and you're probably gonna do uh, amazing things. Um, now before before we uh, end things off, like I there I do want to get a little bit about. Uh, your upbringing and your background because you know you say you're from Toronto and you say your family travels a lot so it's like it seems like you're out and about a lot uh, what was your what was your upbringing like what, what was your life like were you in Toronto as a kid yeah I grew up in Scarborough and then okay. um, somewhere in middle school moved to Markham Unionville mm-hmm. and then uh, between not between between middle school till university I would actually live in BC in the summers uh and the reason why is because um my sisters are both a lot older than me like I'm staying with my sister right now in New York she's 19 years older than me oh wow and my middle sister is 18 years older than me so my mom gave birth to me at 47 years old it was all like unintentional Mm -hmm. and so it's just like the most modern family situation ever where I've got two sisters I've never really lived with um two nieces two nephews been an aunt since I was six and uh yeah it's been it's been interesting because I feel like nowhere is my home and everywhere is my home Mm -hmm. because living in BC's in this BC in the summer I'd be with one my one sister and then uh my parents also had a cottage out east so we'd always go to the cottage on the weekends I got very used to just moving around. I also went to many different summer camps as a kid. So my memories of the summer before BC summers would be, I'd have a different summer camp that I'd go to every single week. So like one week would be pioneer camp and making like paper from flowers and churning butter. And then the next week I'd be at like rock and roll camp playing the drums. 
uh, a week after that would be like a sports camp. And that was my whole summer on rotation over and over again until I was maybe 12, 13. And then I started going to like a teepee camp in BC when I was like 14 or 15. And this was like with random people out in the bush in the middle of nowhere. I'm just very used to being in different environments. And so being out here in New York feels like home. (laughs) Did that contribute to your creative side? Because like it made you more open to things because you've done so much. You've been in, you know, some some people like never even left Toronto, you know? So it's like the, the fact that you've been in different environments like when did you become or when did you um, find that you enjoyed doing art? I think I've always enjoyed doing art as long as I can remember. The earliest memory of me doing something super crazy with art was my parents and I went to Kingston one time. We stayed in this like very cheap motel and I had like two things. It was like a Lego set and then it was like a Bob the Builder Lego set. And then my mom gave me some Sharpie markers instead of drawing on the paper I somehow uh vandalized the wallpaper and was drawing all over no you were customizing the wallpaper (laughs) yeah and the it didn't stop from there I remember she said I would draw all over the kitchen walls I just scribble 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 and I just drew all the time and it's so funny because my mom still has almost every single drawing I've ever drawn as a kid and it's just hundreds of documents saved on my email and her and her computer and uh I've been just making art forever. It's like I live and breathe it. I used to draw all over my t-shirts. I had like this Pokemon shirt where I just drew different Pokemon characters on it. And it just stems in my family. Like my grandpa was a painter and he lived in Japan his whole life just painting. And uh, my uncle is a painter. My cousin is like a very big video game art uh, creator. And then it's very much my mom's side that almost everyone I know is an artist that's awesome. in some way. It runs in the family. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, uh, before we, you know, end things off, um, do you have any goals for yourself, for your business or your, or your art? Mm, some goals. So I feel like there's a lot of pressure that I'm out here right now is because I can't live with my family forever. This is like a very, it's like a testing period. My sister and I are also working on a children's book together. So she's um, writing the book and I'm illustrating it. That's a huge reason of why I'm out here. Um, But I want to also see if I can survive in this city. I'm not sure if it's possible, but I'm going to at least try. And Toronto is like a pretty good backup plan to like be back out there. And uh, wherever I end up, I just know that I want to make waves And uh, some things that are really big on my to-do list is to do another shoe collection. But what I learned from this shoe collection drop is that I can't just paint 30 or 100 pairs of shoes. I'll just burn out. So the next step is to make my own shoe, like manufacture my own shoe. And uh, I guess I've already set the, how would I say it? I've already started the process of that. It's very terrifying because it's a huge investment. A lot of money needs to be taken out a lot of time. And uh, at least I learned from the collection drop what I did wrong and what went wrong so that I know for this bigger thing that's 
um, in play, like designing my own shoe, I know exactly what I need to do this time. So, yeah. That's crazy. That's great. That's crazy. Um, and I'm very excited to see mm -hmm. where this goes. Um, Thank you. That, I mean, yo, Kira, it's been amazing having you on. Um, I, I already knew that your story was dope, but, you know, to actually hear, um, give more context to it, uh, it's it, it was a it was great talking to you. So thank you for giving us the extra motivation for our journeys. Um, now, for for listeners that want to keep up with your art and and, and yourself, uh, where's the best place to find your stuff? So the best place to find my work is usually on social media or my website. Uh, my website is kiramadethis.com. And uh, I actually am in the works of starting my own email newsletter. Mm -hmm. And I think this will be a better way of keeping up to date because I think email is so underrated. There's so much you can do with it and really build sure. a community and communicate with people. Mm -hmm. So that's something I'm prioritizing and hoping that I can uh, share more widely with people. But for now, social media is a great place. It's at Kira made this, uh, K-I-R-A-M-A-D-E-T-H-I-S. So I'm pretty active on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So you can find me there. A lot of the content is repurposed or sometimes I'll post things here, but I won't post it there. But yeah, I love being on these platforms and engaging with people and checking my DMs, chatting with people, responding to comments, any little things like that to build community. That's awesome. And uh, I wish you luck on your journey. I'm, you I'm sure you're going to kill it. You know, uh, Kyle, if you, you if the listeners want to check out your podcast, Kyle, where, where can they find you? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I have another podcast called What Kind of Asian Are You podcast? And um, you can find it on the social platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Just search out What Kind of Asian Are You podcast. You'll find it. And you can follow the social media best platform, I guess, would be uh, Instagram, which would be what kind of Asian pod. And yeah, um, connect and um, we'll talk. And uh, where can they find you, Robin? If you want to look for me, I'm on Instagram at Conrock, C-O-N-R-O-C. But most importantly, you know, mm -hmm. support the show. You know, you, you want to hear more stories like here, uh, you know, um, follow us on Instagram, you know, help us get our numbers up. Like and comments on the posts, right? Mm -hmm. So follow us on Instagram at neverjadepod. And uh, and that's it. Thanks again, Kira, for coming on. And you know, we hopefully we'll speak to you again when you're uh, when you're like in the millions of followers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it sounds a bit terrifying, but I do want to say that there's quite a few Asian creators that I would like to introduce to you guys, and hopefully you can have them on your show too, because there's. There's just a lot going on right now in this art world that I see a lot of, you know, Asian creators like pioneering things. And it's really exciting to see. And I hope that you get to also um, hear about them and uh, get to know them as well. I, I, yeah, of course. We would love to hear about you want You know what? You want to give them a quick shout out before we go? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, shout them out. The top of my head. Yeah. I think about in my space, which is like the sneaker customizing space. There's two people that are doing a lot right now. And fortunately, they're actually working together in the same studio. So one of them goes by Sela Vic. It's C-E-S-T-L-A-V-I-C. 
on Instagram. That's like her main focus. She's on YouTube as well, but she is just pioneering so much in the sneaker space. I did a big collaboration video that she uh, organized for all of the female sneaker uh, artists in the space. And that was a huge undertaking for her. She found 50 other artists and put together this big collab video just to celebrate women in the sneaker space. And so her work is incredible. Um, she's doing a lot of big things and has a lot of big um, projects coming up. Like she recently did stuff with Space Jam, LeBron James, Microsoft. Uh, she's got like a big workshop coming up with Echo Shoes in Amsterdam. So she's really busy and she's a great person in our community, like just spearheads a lot of big projects and inspires people. And who works uh, directly with her in like the studio is this lady named Anne. She goes by Studio Duskus or Duskus. Um, so like studio and then D-U-S-K-U-S. And she's a shoemaker. Um, also an Asian creator and she's incredible. Like I really recommend you guys look her up as well because I find her so highly underrated for the amount of skill that she possesses. I think she was a former footwear designer and now she's become her own business owner teaching master classes. And I've even taken classes from her and um, Sela Vic. And she is just incredible at what she does. Like she can take a football and turn that into an Air Jordan high. Just crazy things like that and so I see these two powerful Asian women just doing a lot of crazy cool stuff in the space I'd also give a shout out to my cousin his name is Arnold Sang he creates um, video game characters for Blizzard so like Overwatch and he just did a big NFT uh, dedicated to the stop Asian uh, hate like movement where you know with what was going on he Felt really inspired to create something based off of Bruce Lee um, and what Bruce Lee symbolizes for our community and I think he raised quite a bit of money for that so um, stuff like that where I'm just very proud of, to see people especially Asian people just having a strong message with their art and supporting the community and yeah I'd love to have you guys just like have them on your show and hear more about them they sound amazing, and they're yeah. definitely never jaded material, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. um, Kira, thank you for an amazing talk, um, and me and me and Cal are rooting for you. So keep up the hard work and uh, keep killing it out there. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Mm -hmm. And with that, we are out. Peace. Peace. Bye.